welcome to this MLEX podcast. I'm Laurel Henning, Senior Correspondent, and joining me for today's podcast is Australasian Managing Editor, James Paniki. Hello, James. Hello, Laurel. James, let's get down to this straight away. We're talking today about tech companies, but specifically the regulatory onslaught on Silicon Valley unleashed in Australia over the last year or so. Uh, You said in a piece this week that Australia, with a small population base and just a handful of world-class tech success stories of its own, appeared likely to remain a footnote on the Asian balance sheet of the Amazons, Facebooks and Googles of the world, until this recent push from Australian policymakers and their efforts to create groundbreaking legislation. So tell us where this change has been most apparent. Okay, well, to make sense of how the regulatory momentum started to build Uh, you need to go to the digital platforms inquiry. This is the inquiry that the Australian government directed the country's competition watchdog, the Australian Competition Consumer Commission, uh, to undertake at the end of 2017. It feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, Now, we've talked about this um, many times before, so there's no need to go over what has emerged in the course of the last uh, year and a half. And and by the way, it's not over yet. I mean, uh, the final report is expected to be handed out uh, handed down at the beginning of uh, of June, I think. So it's actually uh, it's the, still... the end of June. So the end of June. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. They yeah. extended Just it indeed. But so for those who haven't uh, followed the earlier coverage on this, the ACCC is looking into the impact of uh, digital uh, platforms. It singled out Facebook and Google for particular attention. Um, and they're looking at the impact on the local media and advertising industries. And I think that the argument that you and I have been making in our reporting is that although the outcome of this inquiry isn't in any way binding, so it will simply be a series of uh, policy recommendations that the government of the day is totally free to ignore if it wants to, uh, but the inquiry has nonetheless uh, changed the atmospherics around uh, the regulation of US-based tech companies. So even if the ACCC's probe were to recommend zero changes to the regulation of the platforms, and and that obviously seems highly unlikely, but even if it were to do this, Australian policymakers, um, lawmakers in particular, appear to now see uh, local regulation of global companies as doable, as something that doesn't uh, need to be uh, put in the too hard basket. So rightly or wrongly, they're no longer buying the idea that global platforms can only be regulated globally rather than locally. Um, and that uh, then takes us to the two pieces of legislation that you and I have both been covering over the past year here in Australia, encryption and the so-called abhorrent violent material law. Sure, and let's start with encryption. Um, So Australia's new encryption law, uh, still fairly new, passed at the end of last year in a bit of a last minute dash, to be honest, by Parliament. Um, I remember you covering that sort of overnight between the 5th and 6th of December. And listeners can read all about that in detail in our case file on the matter. Um, But the policy itself is known formally as the Telecommunications and Other Legislation Amendment Assistance and Access Act. We know it fondly as the Encryption Act. Um, And it aims to grant law enforcement agencies the right to request access to encrypted data. So just to sort of unpack that a little bit, what what that means is police agencies can ask a company, let's say WhatsApp, for access to specific messages relating to criminal activity. So the good thing there, the upshot is it's meant to help law enforcement fight serious crime, mainly to tackle terrorism, which was 
the first point of this piece of legislation was to tackle terrorism because spy agencies were saying as these technologies development, we're basically blind to the messaging activity of criminals. The bad news, some say, and we've written about this with submissions to Parliament from companies including global encryption technology company Senatas, um, and they were probably one of the most vocal opponents, I think, um, in the drafting of this legislation or in its progress through Parliament, and they were worried about the weaknesses that could be created um, across Australia's entire cyber network as a result of this legislation. What I mean by that is the vulnerability to electricity networks, to banking systems, to outages um, as a result of this legislation. So the idea is you go in once, that creates a weakness, that weakness can be exploited in the entire system by other people, not necessarily the people who are originally trying to access it. And it's not just an Australian issue. I mean, if you build in a vulnerability into an encoding system, that vulnerability then gets uh, sort of multiplied. It goes all around the world. It's a global issue. Yeah, exactly. And and internationally, I mean, just this week, China's foreign ministry hit out at the law saying it forces all companies to install backdoors, um, basically to protect Australia's security at the cost of everyone else's security. And the point we've made for both encryption and the abhorrent violent content laws is that they they were both rushed through Parliament. I mean, on encryption, part of the deal was that it would be reviewed almost immediately, and that was essentially the reason why it got through Parliament so fast, because there was a, a commitment to review it once it had been enacted. Tell me something about how that review is going. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the opposition Australian Labour Party said they would back the law um, back in December if it was subject to a review in 2019, early 2019 as well, and that changes would be made and approved um, sort of in the first quarter of the year. Now, a lot of those amendments have been approved. They've had bipartisan support in Australia's Senate, but the government's actually blocked those changes. Um, Now the government, well, we're in a caretaker situation while we prepare for um, a federal election, and the timetable of that total review at the moment, we're looking at mid-2020 before there's any significant change here. Um, And then at the same time, as I mentioned before, um, this was originally meant to address terrorism. But if you look at at the legislation now, it talks about addressing serious crime. That's legislative creep in one form or another. And that's led to um, other vocal criticism coming from local um, tech company Atlassian um, to say this could slowly develop to a stage where it's not inconceivable to imagine a situation where you could have police using this technology for traffic offences. It's a leap, but it's Mm. not impossible. And as for the abhorrent violent material, that moved uh, through Parliament even faster. I mean, it was less than a week that passed between the government first mentioning it. It happened over the weekend. They sort of mentioned it in passing. And then Mm. within a week, it had become legislation. So it absolutely flew through uh, Parliament without any debate at all. I mean, uh, encryption had had some debate. This had zero. Now, the reason for that, of course, is that there was an election campaign looming. Uh, In fact, just this week, the date of May the 18th was announced for the federal election. And so that makes perfect sense. The opposition uh, Labour Party uh, obviously didn't want to be seen as soft on crime ahead of the vote. And that is part of the political dynamics here in Australia. And we should also put it in context in the sense that this was legislation following the Christchurch massacre in New Zealand, in which, um, as we all know now, 50 uh, worshippers were killed. The alleged gunman filmed what he was doing and broadcast it live on Facebook. So the plan there was obviously to prevent other extremists 
doing the same, using the platform to broadcast this kind of material and this kind of material remaining on the platform. That's another key part of of this discussion. But the question now is whether the legislation actually achieved what it set out to achieve or whether it went too far. Absolutely. I mean, among sort of legal professionals, this is the question I was sort of putting to them most frequently this week was, okay, so which is worse, encryption or abhorrent content in terms of legislation? And they said the encryption measures were worse in terms of their implications. They're really quite insidious, I think, in in terms of that far-reaching ripple effect of those laws is much bigger and more complicated, whereas it's the composition of the abhorrent content law that makes it, um, you know, a real mess, they say. One contact actually told me, you know, this is a ham-fisted piece of legislation. Others said it was a bad knee-jerk reaction rather than a thought-out active leadership. And, you know, there's a reason things become a world first sometimes. Yeah, not not always good exactly reasons. That. I mean, in, 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 in this case, I mean, Australia... Um, obviously prides itself whenever there is a world first everyone in Australia says oh this is fantastic but it might not necessarily pan out in the sense that this might be might turn out to be a bit of an adventure and we might be the first uh, country in the world to have to deal with the fallout of uh, whatever shortcomings are built into this legislation. Exactly that there could be very good reasons why other jurisdictions haven't tried something similar beforehand and so just to clarify the aim here is to make sure um, on the abhorrent uh, content law the aim is to make sure that acts of terrorism, torture rape aren't live streamed that's the goal but it's so unclear and there's so much room for interpretation as to who gets to to decide what is abhorrent because I mean something I think is abhorrent might not be what you think is abhorrent and um, also the requirement for expeditious removal of content how do you decide what is expeditious it's just a lack of clarity. Well, well, that's right. And I, I noted that both of the ministers involved um, at the press conference weren't able to actually define what expeditiously actually meant in this context. So there's clearly, there are clearly some problems there. But look, there are yeah, also... Cons- about, when yep. they're talking about a case-by-case basis, and if you think this is a, it's a piece of legislation it, it designed with the main aim to respond quickly, and if you're reviewing case-by-case, case, how does that... Yeah, and I, I mean, also case by case. By the time that all goes through, the bureaucracy will take uh, it'll take forever. So it might not be expeditiously after all. So I mean, no. there there are problems on that front. There are also concerns over the legislation's impact on whistleblowers mm. and genuine journalism. Now, the argument there is that, for example, human rights activists who want to draw attention to um, uh, abhorrent violence that's been perpetrated against certain communities, or journalists wanting to report. On, um, on violence that's being carried out could have their ability to do so, well, not just compromise, they could in fact find themselves on the receiving end of a jail sentence for doing their work. Now, that is obviously uh, a deeply problematic implication um, of the legislation. Yeah, and once again, I think those concerns come down to the fact that it's so unclear. But um, I was speaking to people this week and they were saying we're basically sleepwalking in Australia towards internet censorship that might be a bit alarmist but that's what you know that's what they're saying and and we're moving away from any kind of room for individual judgment calls um on whistleblowing this has been a concern raised by many you're right and um let's give an example let's say i film a policeman beating someone up and i stream that online while it's happening am i as a journalist am i in breach of those laws now a briefing or as an individual actually so there was a briefing put out by um, law firm gilbert and tobin and they say that the law applies specifically to a terrorist act murder attempted murder 
torture, rape or kidnap. Um, and the material, so that live streamed material, has to be produced by someone involved directly or indirectly, um, which sounds like it could go some way to protecting whistleblowers. But that's the problem. It's not it's still not clear, I don't think. And there's so much room, as I've said here, for interpretation. It'll be really interesting to see how this could possibly stand up in its first legal test. Yeah, and look, I mean, the angle of my comment piece on this was that uh, these two pieces of legislation, encryption and um, abhorrent violent material, against the backdrop of the digital platforms inquiry, which is delving deep into the business models of both Facebook and Google, All of these things amount to a regulatory push out of Australia that comes at a time when uh, the call for greater regulation of technology companies is very much a live issue around the world. I mean, Australian lawmakers, um, you know, they tend to approach it in a a folksy uh, sort of parochial way. And I mean, that has something to do with the culture. It has something to do with the election campaign and, and, and so on. But um, I mean, look, look, here's a good example. Australia's Attorney General Christian Porter said uh, that if uh, television companies were to broadcast material in the same way that Facebook carried footage of, for example, the Christchurch killings, that those TV stations would lose their licenses immediately. And so why should Facebook be treated any differently, he asked. Now, and that that sort of resonates with the electorate, no doubt. That makes that makes good sense. Now, of course, the platforms would argue that there are a million reasons why global platforms are not the same as domestic TV broadcasters. And, and, and that, then, that question kind of feeds into the digital platforms inquiry as well. well it it does very much right, so, yeah. very much so. I mean, are they publishers or not? They say, no, no, look, we're not publishers. Don't treat us like publishers. We're totally different. But... Uh, but they are being treated as publishers, and that is where the problem lies because they are going to be they're, they're now facing regulation as a publisher. Uh, but uh, but again, as far as the politicians are concerned, if you're operating in the country, your services are available locally, then regulation needs to be uh, needs to be local. And the encryption law was more or less the same thing. So the tech companies warned that if you build backdoors, as you just said now, if you build backdoors into encrypted messages, even if you do it just in Australia, that affects security around the world. It harms privacy, blah, blah, blah. But again, Australian legislators absolutely, you know, treat this this with disdain. They thumb their noses at these considerations. If police were once able to intercept phone calls in the course of criminal investigations, they say, why should demanding access to encrypted messages be any different? I mean, why shouldn't we just transfer what police were able to do once with telephone communications to new technologies? Um, and as for the global implications of those demands, again, again, I mean, they they really just don't care. They have no time, and they've they've made that point quite forcefully with all of the submissions in the lead up to the encryption legislation. So, I suppose if this is what lies ahead for Mark Zuckerberg, so a world full of militant, sort of recalcitrant mini Australias. Uh, sort of determined to assert what they consider to be their sovereign right to regulate and to legislate, then I think we can safely conclude that Silicon Valley has uh, some serious problems Mm. on the horizon. And with a final report on digital platforms expected on June 30th and ongoing reviews of the encryption and abhorrent content laws expected, yeah, we're going to have much more to discuss on these issues moving forward. But for now, James, thanks so much for joining me. It's been great talking. Thank you very much, Laurel. See you soon. Bye. You can find links to the coverage discussed today in the show notes. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for the latest from MLEX. If you rate and review the podcast, it will make it easier for other people to find us. But for now, from James Paniki and me, Laurel Henning, goodbye. Goodbye.